When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. For the final time, it's sunny old. Final word, Ashes Daily. Adam Collins. With you, Jeff Lemon, to my side. Maybe it was inevitable. Maybe it was always going to be this way. We've seen a draw. Jeff, why don't you tell us all about the final exchanges? Before you do that, we should thank Seabus Super. We should. They're an industry super fund. They are indeed. They hit retirements. For six, I'm told. Don't they just? For six. That's, that's, that means the maximum possible good things you can have. Well, they would have been hit for six by Ashley Gardner, who hit the only biggin of the yeah. entire game with about three minutes before the captain shook hands, which you're going to tell us all about in the space of three To get seconds. off the mark as well, I am. Um, go to cbussuper.com.au as well. Um, not for this test match wrap because it probably won't be there, but uh, it will be here. You're already listening to it. You've found it. Don't worry. You're home. 30 seconds. Well, it almost looked like something might happen on the fourth day. England was six down overnight. They skipped along to the follow-on score pretty quickly. They got there. They just got there. They nearly missed it, and then they got there. Nine down. They declared immediately. Australia came in. Elise Perry got moving. It looked like they might set a target, and then they didn't. They lost a couple of wickets. They got spooked, and they decided to play the most boring game imaginable, batted out a pointless draw. I'm very disappointed. I'm and, and angry. I'm angry and disappointed. Um, and, and, you know, everybody goes home. I was kind of angry and disappointed. I still am disappointed. I'm probably not as angry having now had the chance to speak no. to the England coach and the Australian captain and the Australian coach and the way that we, we get to after yeah. play Much more relaxed now. I don't say angry for long. Yeah. I, I, now, I, now I'm just now it's got my <laughs> feet up. Just, I'm just casually disappointed. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I think it's lamentable that when both sides had an opportunity to take some risks they didn't but I understand why they didn't at the same time so in the case of England last night I think the main question we had overnight was why didn't they have a pop in the last hour and Mark Robinson's response was that with high quality bowling old ball fielders in front of the bat they thought the risk profile was too high they would lose all their wickets then which means they'd be following on they felt they were a far better chance to reach the follow on mark on morning Mm. four with the second new ball with it being perfect conditions. Now, I think that's not completely 
clear as the most viable route to what they needed to get to because obviously they, they didn't bat with any intent last night as we discussed on the day three show but all the same it did give a little bit more mm. colour to what we were discussing when we were sitting in this very spot 24 hours ago. I, I think maybe in the end it didn't necessarily make that much difference because basically if they'd if they'd scored quickly on night three and the situation we're in if you're confused is that England are way way behind they just want to get past the follow-on, then declare so that Australia have to bat for a bit, set them a target that, that Australia's happy with to say, OK, can you get 300 in 70 overs or whatever it might be? And then Australia tries to bowl them out, England try to get the runs, everyone's in with a chance and, and you can have some chance at a result. That's kind of the idea. So I think if they'd got the runs and declared last night, on, on, on night three, they might have then had Australia set them 370. If they did as they did the next morning, Australia could easily have set them 250 in 50 or 250 in 55, whatever it might be. You know, Australia could have just set them... It's basically about run rate, not about the size, the overall size of the total. It's it's what... But it's just, does the bowling side, bowling last, have a chance to bowl the batting side out? And I think if you give them 50 or 60 overs on the last day, you do have a, a chance of bowling them out. So Australia kind of had a shot of bowling them out whatever it was that they decided to set and for a minute it looked like Australia was going to set a total because Elise Perry was scoring pretty quickly and um, but basically you know after, they just decided not to bother and kept batting on after the yeah. tea break and um, and it petered out. Yeah, I asked Meg whether they considered it at tea with 41 overs remaining and 278 mm. needed of course there's no way that England were going to actually chase down no. 279 in 41 overs that, but that probably was the friction point that was the, if you're going to go Given um, given yeah. that they hadn't been galloping along between probably the drinks break in the second session and the tea interval, that was the time to pull the trigger. But they elected not to, and I thought it was relatively instructive that Lang- Lanning pretty much said England didn't deserve it. That was her. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing here, but she said that well, we had dominated the game. We were six points up in the series. We had the ability, and it was our prerogative, and indeed it was, to play out the way we did. So we chose to. I guess where the incongruity with that is is that 24 hours ago, I was convinced they would do something like that because yeah. I, I stored a lot of faith in what they said before the game about the importance of putting on a show to bolster the credentials of women's test cricket. Someone made a point to me on a relatively heated direct message exchange uh, this morning about this when we were having a blue with someone um, <laughs> and, uh, the, and and they said to me it shouldn't be up to the, the players of these two sides to save women's test cricket and, and he's right to an extent. It shouldn't come down to um, the 22 players who played here to put on a show to um, to be uh, the custodians of the game to the extent to which um, if they succeed they they, they, mm. they get more tests and if they don't they, they get fewer but I think there was probably a balanced model there wasn't there where Australia could have given England so many to the chase that it was so so radically unlikely they could do it that there still would have been something to watch we would have been here till the bitter end watching England try and bat yeah. out a draw and yeah. that would have had its own interest too and in the end we got neither it, it is unfair to ask that of them but at the same time that's kind of the way it is. Like it sucks, but sometimes when things suck, you have to suck it up. And well, they're always ambassadors, aren't they? I mean, women yeah. sports people generally are asked to do things that men aren't, and I guess this is an example of that to an extent. Mm. Uh, so, but look, you we- do you hear it in the men's game as well? You have boring finishes in the men's game, and there is there's always that there's that constant test cricket, test cricketers on death row permanently, sure, according to sure. m- half the people in the game and half of those out of it. Um, and every time there's a bad test played, they'll get on the backs of the players who played it, saying they've got a responsibility to play interesting cricket. And to some extent, that's true. Yeah. I, I, the one other part of this, which I 
assumed and assumed wrongly was that Matthew Mott and Mark Robinson have played a gazillion first class games between them and coached a gazillion, a gazillion more when they were associated with men's sides mm. that there might have been a knock on the door which is the custom in yeah. county cricket to work out <clears throat> to work what, it out what you'd be happy to chase to work it out and and that and, and some could say well that's different because it's a standalone women's test and we touched on this last night in, in the podcast when we were talking about the where the women's test sits in, in the order because yep. it being the fourth fixture it means that we already knew that a draw was enough for Australia to win but had mm. it been the case that both sides were incentivized to win this with the broader series at hand I could I could well I could well imagine a scenario where very experienced campaigners who are leading these two sides off the mm. field could get together and go well look here's a reasonable total based on all the information we've got and let's go at it and that's not subterranean or dodgy by the way that's just the way that two innings cricket's been played for a million years that, that yeah. is the way that um, first class cricket um, the world round uh, achieves results uh, in in, yeah. in the circumstances where you're not playing five days by saying like are you willing to have a go at if we give you 280 and 60 overs will you have a pop yeah, um, and yeah. if you lose in that scenario you go fair play. Yep. You know, you go, okay, that's just the way these things right. go sometimes. And I think if you look at these teams, okay, Australia bowled England out three times in the three one-day games, yep. well inside 50 overs. Nobody's ever, I think the highest run chase is about 190 in women's test cricket. It's, no one was going to chase 250 and 50 overs. It was not going to happen. It was more the symbolism of letting them try, it, I felt. Yes, but, yeah. but, but I mean, there was, uh, what I'm saying is that Australia had more than enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, we had Meg Lanning after play saying, oh, well, we just didn't want to take any chance to let them back into the game. You weren't going to. You would have had to have bowled atrociously. You can put 10 on the fence if you want to. If, if they get close That's in the right. last few overs, pop the wicketkeeper back on the rope for all our care. We've seen it. Um, we, We've we, seen that happen in first-class cricket as well. Right. You've got more options as the fielding captain in that scenario. Exactly. So there is no way they were going to chase 250 or 50 overs. And Australia could so easily have set them the target. They bowled them out in 33 overs the other day in Canterbury. Having a go on a fourth-day pitch, there was a chance. They might not have done it, but at least they would have made something interesting and I just think it's it's really poor I think it's it's limp to not even have a go to not even see if you can bowl them out and win a test match um, particularly after talking up that big game about how we're going to do everything we can to win I'm, yeah I can't remember I'm who disappointed. yeah I think I think Meg certainly said it before the test but Elise there was Perry said it, Rachel Perry Haynes Canterbury, said it. Rachel Haynes and and um, Megan Shooten uh, when I was talking to her before the test as well they I think they all believed it too I should add I don't think oh, that I think was they some... thought it was the right thing to say and if you win then you're right in retrospect you know I, I also believe they're they're telling the truth I'm not saying that they're lying I'm saying that I think that they they um, felt that way but when the circumstances changed that is when two sessions were taken out of the test match and when they were put in front of them a scenario where they had to go out in the field again which were in, in circumstances where they felt wickets weren't falling it yeah. was like ah you know, we've got we've got yeah. six points in the bag. England haven't played well enough to give them that opportunity, even if it is a you know infinitesimal chance of them sure. getting over the line. So I, I I don't think that the authenticity of the commentary before the game is insincere. I just think that the way it played out, yeah. I, I I just wish I had have gone with that anyway and gone with their gut. I don't think it's about the commentary being insincere. It's about the follow up being insincere. The actions that follow the comments. If you make a commitment, you follow through on it. You know that's a pretty familiar concept. And mm. and they didn't. You know even the way they batted on the first day, even and the way Perry and Haynes batted, you know, defensive masterclass and all of that. Uh, and I have, I have respect for the technique, but they went in second gear when they could have gone in third. And, and it didn't, they didn't need to be going wild, but they could have moved the game along faster through days one or two. The time loss for rain wouldn't have been so, uh, had so much effect. And time and time again, on both sides, they just didn't take the opportunity yeah, to get the, the game end, moving. In the end, one of the things that was uh, most telling about the post-game wrap-up was that 
um, the Australian camp said that they should have batted longer in their first yeah. rather than declaring, which you think about it, it's right, because England just fell over the follow-on mark. If Australia mm. had have batted for another half an hour or 45 minutes, all you know, been all out and whatever they got. So I think they declared, they declared six or seven nine down. down nine, was oh, was it nine down? Was it? Or in any case, had they yeah. made yeah. another 20 or 30 runs, that might have been sufficient. Eight down, sorry. Eight down, right. To have given them a chance to have... Um, you know, had England following on on the final day. Yeah. So that's another element we didn't really consider yesterday, but with the benefit of hindsight, looks like a, a reasonable position to maintain. And that was and their th- plan, was was to bowl them out short of the follow-on yeah. and then bowl them out twice. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's exactly right. And, and I suppose this is the thing with women's cricket, isn't it? We Women's tests, I mean, because they play over four days, um, four days is sufficient to get a result in first-class cricket. I'm not disputing that at all. But given that it tends to be played at a slower tempo, due to the reasons you pointed out on afternoon one, Jeff, uh, you get one opportunity to play test cricket. Um, you know, you only they, get one shot. You get do, one, not miss your chance do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once, once in, in every two and a half years or so. <laughs> but owing to that, if we accept the fact that these are played at a, at a slower tempo and, mm. and players are more conservative, I think we should start thinking about whether a fifth day should be part of this discussion. So, yes, they should be playing more test cricket. Yes, there should be multi-day red ball cricket in domestic yeah. structures in Australia and England. But one other variable they can control is bunging an extra day on uh, and, and earning an extra, you know, 90 overs or even in 100 overs. Would it matter if they played more overs than the men? I don't seem to think so, considering it's a standalone test and you want no. to try and get an overall winner if it were to be the case that 500 overs were played in a women's test and 450 in a men. I, I, well, wow, mind-blowing. I think it would probably be okay. Yeah, yeah. Someone's arm might fall off with all the bowling that would have to happen. I'd, I'd just like to see more intent to go at more than you know two runs and over because that was an issue in 2017. It was an issue here, and and it's it is partly that the players are forced into that position. But um, it, it is possible to play differently. Beth Mooney did it. You know we've we've seen players do it differently. Um, well, it just all comes down to domestic cricket, doesn't it? And the wrap up of this for mine, the major takeout for me out of all of this is that. How can we find a way to give our elite players an opportunity to play mm. Red Bull cricket at home in the summer? Um, and, you know, Megan Shoots talked about expanding the WNCL. Meg Lanning was less supportive of that in her commentary this afternoon, which I thought was quite interesting. I'm surprised she wasn't um, up for that, you know, uh, sight unseen, given it would be more cricket. But I, I get that scheduling's tough. But yeah. in both countries, there, there is discussions going on about how the how the domestic network will work going forward. I, I would wish to, there to be some sort of two- or three-day cricket to help build these skills. In both countries, there's a fair bit of air in the women's cricket calendar anyway. It's not yeah. it's, it's not anywhere nearly as densely packed as the men's calendar is. Sure. I've got a question in on Twitter for yep. you from Richard Baker. Hello, Richard. G'day, yeah. Richard. You can always email us at finalwordcricket at gmail.com or find us on Twitter. Our question for the pod tonight, is it time to retire the multi-format series concept? This could have had a great finish today if Australia had an incentive to force the issue um, or should it be at least three multi-day matches next time a couple of concepts for you take them on uh well the latter's not going to happen regrettably richard i wish i wish it were but it's not going to um if you accept that we're going to have a multi-format series going forward i think that what we should do is um acknowledge that this was a really good start over the last six years and Mm. we can do better and the way we can do better i think there are two ways changing the way the points are set up and changing the order of the matches neither of which are going to be elegant i mean this is very elegant three one day is worth two three t20s worth two a test match worth four. Let's remember, of course, the test match was originally worth six. Yeah. So they've already made one tweak, but 
Yep. You know, this this is a because it dominated. Basically, if you won the test, you won the whole thing, and that was it. Yeah, so I think that there is room to acknowledge that a test match is worth you know more than a double a T twenty as it what it currently is. Yep. So if the tests were worth five, the T twenty is worth two, and 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 the ODI is worth three, that would be a start. But I also yep. think the order of the matches that and the, look, nothing's perfect, but having the test right in the middle does for the last two times we've had this series has meant that Australia have been incentivized to essentially play for a draw yeah but look i think that you're going to get something lopsided no matter what happens if one team's dominant you know you'll get this in a five test ashes series australia wins the first three in the last um the last tour down in australia then the last two suck you know (laughs) because because it's done you can't if one team's not competitive it doesn't matter what match you lead with you could put the test first and and if one team gets thumped in the test match well then they're already four runs behind no no no, sure I I, I don't dispute that but I'm just saying in in answer to Richard's question that would be my answer to that 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 there's really it doesn't matter how you arrange it if one team is dominating you know you could put the T20s first because they're more volatile and they're almost they're more likely to be split but that also means that they're good to have at the end because it means that they're in play for a team to make up ground you know, England could still tie this series and Australia really don't want them to. So there is still something to play for. Them. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them, them, them chopped and changed a wee bit. So um, one day as in T20s are interchangeable um, as far as preparation is concerned. Not because, you know, women uh, don't need as much time to prep, but this, the reality is the squad's are usually basically the same with the exception of a, a player here or there. So there might be a way to have one day as in T20s dispersed amongst each other and the test match to still be played halfway through, which might have some effect. But you're still right, of course, Jeff, that if one side wins the first three games, you're going to end up in this situation. But, mm. um, but yeah, making a test match also worth five might be um, something that we should you know continue to push for because there's no reason why we have to just take what we've got and accept this will be the way it is for the next 20 years. No, we've got to very quickly have a little look at what happened on the field. The couple of minutes we've got left, um, some lovely batting from Nat Siver today, 88 she got. Looked locked on for 100, a bit like Rachel Haynes, and then I uh, was just trying to rotate the strike and ended yeah. up getting bowled. She was trying to milk the strike, and I was gutted for her because yeah. that's a great human being, and I wish she had made a test 100. But at the same time, I was proud of the fact that she did her job. Yeah. Like she, she, didn't, she didn't come out today and play conservatively. She came out and did what she needed to do in the same way that Anya Shrubsole did, for that matter. Um, so, yes, yeah. it, it didn't. It, you know. Played her shots, Anya. Got stumped playing her shots. Yeah, good on her. Good on her. Yeah. And also, Laura Marsh, who I, I, was, yes. I, I was doing the, the Guardian Live blog, and Laura Marsh came out, and I went, oh, God, here she is she made a 291 ball half century um this is going to be dire and then she started smacking boundaries and I, and I had to give a public apology to laura marsh because she made 28 and got them over the line past That's the follow-on yeah that, that follow-on shot was yeah. straight ahead of the bowler wasn't it from memory either way it was oh, that was eccleston, no, dragging. Drive, that was eccleston yeah. scooping one over ah, but, right. but marsh was largely going through covers uh, sophie molyneux picked up four for 95 couldn't quite get across the line for the the fifth wicket despite a couple of goes and then when australia batted again the, the only point of interest for a little while was would elise Perry make twin tons. Um, this is the other bit that I was cranky about. Not that they declared when she was on 76 not out, but that she didn't bother trying to go for one at all. She like she was taking singles. I think she made 17 runs in the last hour and a half after the tea break. 19 what runs in the first the 16 point? overs after tea what and was the faced point? a third of the balls after tea. So there was no yeah, there was no yeah, there, there like was at least was... try to get at least give us something to watch. Like something <laughs> vaguely interesting would be making 100 to 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 play test as rarely as she does and go, "Oh, now nah, 76 not. That's cool. Not even going to bother trying to get a ton." That get 
I, I can't use the language I would like to use <laughs> on the on the safe, uh, you know, safe not, not explicit podcast. podcast. But that really irritated me, Adam. I'll give you two little uh, points that you probably haven't quite got to yet. She now averages seventy-eight in Test cricket. I do know that. And, and, of course, I was checking her live average. Uh, 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 Don't patronise. So me. she would have needed to pass eighty-one to have gone to the best average ever. That'll probably happen the next time she plays a test. Um, we've already gone through this on Friday. She may only play one more test, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and uh, she faced five hundred and eighty-eight balls through the two innings of this test. <sighs> yep. So obviously she was player of the match. But get a move on. Make a hundred. Come on. <laughs> give us something to talk about. Give us something to write about. Give us twin an intro. <laughs> no, no woman's test has ever had twin tons in it. And we could have had twin tons today and we didn't because she just couldn't be bothered. She's like, nah, I just cut a single, hey? Doing the team thing. What was, it wasn't the team thing. <laughs> they, they couldn't possibly have lost the test. She just decided she couldn't be bothered for reasons best known to Elise Perry. Yep. She does what Elise Perry wants. But yep. bloody hell. Get well, 100. She's, she's still probably player of the day. Uh, you know what, I'll, uh, what I would add in terms of uh, player of the day? Uh, just for I'm sure it doesn't reflect it in the figures. Geez, Sophie Eccleston-Boldwell today. She is really quickly becoming the best spinner in the world. Although it must be said that the other Sophie, Molyneux, who's 21, I think it'll be the two Sophies will be the two best spinners going around for a long period of time. They're both exquisite left-arm spinners, both... Mm. Angle in, give it plenty of flight. Uh, Molyneux's more side spin, Eccleston's more overspin, but I just love watching them both bowl. They're brilliant. I think that's that's it. This has been the Test match. Australia have drawn it. They've retained the Ashes. We didn't mention that at all. Probably should have off the top. They have retained the Ashes because England can only tie, this, tie the series need, from here. We need a Hall of Fame, I'm afraid. Oh. It's a very hard day for the Hall of Fame, isn't the, it? I think we I think we need to. This is like when um, you know at Penn events where they leave the empty chair for detained journalists. <laughs> I think we need to leave the Hall of Fame vacant for today because today was a frankly piss poor effort uh, from both teams to well England tried in the morning I'll I'm going to say credit. I'm going to try and dig something out of that oh you know who it is it's Ashley Gardner getting off the mark getting with off the, the mark six, with the first six. ball All right, I'll beautiful shot Thanks, Ash Gardner Ash. in the Hall of Fame you go in, in you go that's, uh, that's it that's been the final word World Cup Daily day, not Ashes. World Cup Daily I keep saying it <laughs> Ashes Daily Day 4 thanks to Seba Super the industry super fund defending stoically your retirement to, to, to make sure you get the draw to that the helps bitter, you retain your retirement end. oh god we're, tr- we're going to be waking up in like 76 years time in the middle of the night and being like this is the final word World Cup Daily ah. <laughs> Adam Collins Jeff Lemon we will talk to you from Birmingham we but will. between times you're going to hear from us on the weekly show You're going to hear from us telling you all about our live show, which comes up in London two nights before the Lord's Test. So please keep an eye out for that. August 12th. It's at the Hampstead Cricket Club. And we've done a really bad job of promoting it so far. So jump on the the website um, and you'll see tickets available for that. Jump on our Twitter feeds as well. if you want to see a lovely photo of Jeff and I last night, you can also jump on our Twitter feeds. Phil Brown, the, the great photographer, who, who it's papped us while we were sitting in these yep. very seats last night as the sun was setting over the back of the retirement village there. So that was quite nice. What else? And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be at the England Island Test in my case. You'll be at Australia versus Australia. The, so, the OK Corral, the Haddon v Hick 11s. <laughs> so we won't be having daily updates from those two fixtures, but needless to say, we'll have heaps to talk about through the, those games on the weekly pod. There'll be a weekly pod coming out this week. We have a really, really good guest tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'll leave you with that suspense. There we go. And uh, if you want to throw a dollar in the tin, you can go to patreon.com slash the final word. Good night from Taunton. Till soon. That'll be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty road this, so you know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Every day. 
hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.